Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And more importantly, we talk to actual independent record labels, record labels of all sizes, all stages of all genres from all over the world. My goal is to find exciting and different and unique record labels. And we have some incredible labels coming up in the future, including today's episode with Weird Sister Records from Brooklyn. Uh, They're a collective based in Brooklyn, but they're kind of all over right now. And we talk a lot about um, being a supportive label, a a transparent label, a trustworthy label, and an empowering record label, which um, these folks are. And there's just so much um, fun stuff we get to talk about, about what it means to be a record label that truly impacts people and creates a safe space for artists to do their thing, to make their art. So you can check out Weird Sister Records. I'll give you all the links and everything at the end of the episode. But if you want to, while you're listening, you can go to weirdsisterrecords.com. Great artwork, looks good, everything over there. Uh, So to enjoy today's interview, by the way, um, you know, as we talk about record labels, um, my, you know, part of what I do uh, in addition to these interviews is just making sure that I'm taking everything that is discussed uh, on on these episodes and on our industry insider episodes and on our just our regular uh, tip episodes and making sure that everything is kind of neatly organized on our website as like a a resource for independent labels of all stages and sizes. So go to otherrecordlabels.com, especially if you haven't been in a while, it's changed up a little bit. And you can download some free resources like our free toolkit for record labels by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. Um, I wanted to ask you about, and we're just rolling by the way, I hope that's cool, but I wanted to ask you about the term collective and what that means or or better yet, how is that actually realized? I, I use that term a lot when I was starting my label in the early days because it was a group of, of not just the artists, but also the fans and sometimes their parents and, and, and there was photographers and video people and, um, and, and musicians who weren't necessarily on a label and maybe played on the records and stuff. So what does that mean for you? And how does, how does your label bring that term to life? That, that term of collective. Yeah, for us, I think we have a really big emphasis on bringing people together and our number one goal. And I think what connected me and Deanna most was like bringing people together through music and creating a community in a certain form, um, which is what I found is my favorite part of the music industry is just meeting different types of people of all aspects Mm -hmm. and backgrounds. And so through our live events, I think we've really been able to do that and just bring young people out that are like, Oh, I found about found out about this on Instagram. And now I'm at this cool event. And now I love this artist. Um, And we're also doing monthly, well, we're trying to start them up in California as well, but um, in Brooklyn, like monthly or bi-monthly collective meetups where people, honestly, just like all creators, you can be a graphic designer, music video director, piano teacher, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, just to come to meet other people, specifically like women, queer, trans, non-binary people. Um, But yeah, just bringing people together, having them connect in that human to human way, sometimes virtually, but ideally in real life as well, um, I think is my favorite part of just bringing people together. 
You know, it's interesting because I always am listening and looking for ways that record labels can differentiate themselves. And and, and doing something like this is actually, you know, it's a, it's a huge part of it because you're not to sound like commercial, but you are promoting the brand. You're promoting the label. It's, it's the label that's putting these events on and people are finding out about you, whether they think that's a collective or, a, or an organization or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has such a, it is, it's a really great way to start to spread the word of, of the label and of the artists on the label. Absolutely. It's been, it's been so rewarding to do, you know, all of this work and distributing music, (laughs) um, promoting it, marketing it, et cetera, on the label side, and then get to in real life, you know, tangibly like either offer a physical product Mm. or talk to people about the music and the work that you're doing behind the scenes in at your desk, in your laptop, in your zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so easy to like, just be so narrow. Um, so that human to human connection and growing your network is like absolutely invaluable. And in then industry like this, and just like absolutely joyful, like Madison and I come out of shows just like elated, like beforehand, all parts of it. I think it's one of our, if not our favorite part aspect of, um, you know, being in the industry because, mm it's real. It's like, it's, it's real and it's fun. And, um, yeah, genuine. Is is there any part of that that comes out of the pandemic? Do you think that, that, that we were missing that? Do you, do you find that at, at recent events? Yeah, I feel like I, I had a music blog and I started throwing events. I threw two right before the pandemic hit. And it was Mm -hmm. the first time that I threw events and then losing that was like, Oh, it the the difference was obviously crazy as it was for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with Weird Sister specifically, I feel like having that aspect of it has been really I feel like people have been really excited to just come out and meet new people, dance and be like sweaty and just meet new folks has been really like in New York, I feel like it feels very thriving of people like are craving that, which is fun to be able to provide a little space for that. Yeah. Well- and you're definitely doing an event like this. You're finding who can be your listeners, who can be, and you can learn from them too, right? And and they can inform, you know, merch or or other events that you do, or even artists that you sign in a way. Mm-hmm. It helps us meet new artists all the time. Artists sure. will come to the events and say, "It's we see what you're doing. We think it's really awesome. We want to learn more. Um, maybe potentially collaborate." It's great to have somebody actually come up to you and say that, you know, yeah. that they, they yeah. see you, they hear you, like, then they are in, they wanted to learn more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about when I, when I was reading the about section on your website, the idea of creating a safe space uh, of diversity and amplifying marginalized voices. What does creating a mission state statement like that and a purpose do for those artists that you, that you sign or who want to work with you or even the people uh, at those collectives that you're talking about? What is it about a space like this that they appreciate? Um, what are these types of, of artists and, and folks looking for in a label, do you think? Transparency, um, mm. trust. Uh, in, in building this label, Madison and I had numerous like plentiful conversations with not only industry professionals that we trusted, but with other 
our peers. And a lot of them are women and non-gender conforming people, non-men. And there, I don't think there was one person that we talked to in that category that didn't have a toxic experience, Mm -hmm. um, from Mm -hmm. a, male superior. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. it's just the nature of the industry for sure. You're calling it like it is. And it's the reason we're here doing this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, where we were a bit fed up, you know, we just want, we just want people to feel like they matter. And a lot, oftentimes there are even like there, there have been instances, um, where, you know, people don't feel like their music and their personhood is catered to in the right way. And we wanted mm-hmm. to be a fixture for that. We wanted to make sure it's like, just broadcasted across everything that we do. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a piece of what it means to me. Um, I don't know if Madison, you want to expand upon that. Yeah. I think that Dana kind of touched on this, but we had both experienced it in our workplaces of being silenced or not listened to Mm -hmm. or talked down to, um, or sexualized in certain ways by, peers in the industry or internships or Mm -hmm. the list goes on. Um, so it was, it was empowering to ourselves to give us the space to do something that we've been wanting to do and be like, Oh, we don't need someone to give us the permission. We like have the resources and we want to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, so that factor of it was really empowering for both of us. And then I think that bleeds through in the artists that we work through and also something sometimes I, I find it funny when people like there, there'll be like a, a woman singer and then like all like white dudes in the background or things like that. I feel like something yeah. that me and Tana find important is not just like, Oh, this singer, but building a whole, cause like music is so collaborative from like every aspect of like the editor of the music video or the person who does like the stenciling for something or makes the merch, like finding mm-hmm. people that aren't just dudes. Um, and it does take a little more work sometimes. Like sometimes yeah. I'm like, Oh, I know my friend who would very easily do that. Cause it just like the, the circles or the people that are out there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it does take more research and work, but those people are out there and they're yeah. super talented yeah. and it's able to even like connect those people with the artists that we're working with. Um, and so, yeah, just, in all encompassing ways, trying to empower the people that we believe in and think are awesome and really talented. Yeah. I I think the statistic is that 1% of production roles specifically in the music industry is made up of non-men. And so to be able to give those folks the opportunities over men who do just have, you know, more access, I Mm -hmm. think that's just really important work. I think it's interesting, Madison, that you said uh, that it's actually harder work sometimes to to try to have that diversity. I've even found that on this show is, you know, if I'm looking for an industry insider expert and, and, and what you talked about, Deanna, if I'm looking for someone in mastering or if I'm looking for someone in manufacturing, it actually if I were to just put something on Instagram saying I'm looking for this type of person or this professional, I'll get all these responses from men. But if I'm looking to have equal representation on the, sh- on the show, which I always am with labels and, and with industry folks, I, like I have to dig a bit deeper. I have to say, nope, still looking and ask a little bit more. And it's interesting. You said that it is, it's a, it's a hard, it's hard work, but it's a byproduct of the past 10 or 20 years where it has been easy. It has been the default for men to assume these roles. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I find it, I'm curious too about how, how it, how this movement uh, and this way of thinking can affect the music too as well. And, and opening up new, I mean, uh, things have been homogenous for the past deck, several decades. And, mm-hmm. and for now, for this to be, a, to, to allow for new sounds, new types of people, new creatives to come in. I, f- I find that component to be really ex- exciting. Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you, um, you know, we've had other labels like yours on the show in the past, and a few of them have have taken this ethos and this mission statement and have uh, become an official charitable organization. When you have such an explicit, explicit mission statement like this, do you have to choose between being a, a record label in the traditional capitalist sense versus choosing to be more of a charitable organization that supports your cause and amplifies these voices? Does that make any sense? Like, is it one or the other type of thing? I don't think so. I think it can be both. Like we do, we work to incorporate activations that benefit company uh, organizations that we care about at our events. And at times when we are taking proceeds from, you know, a Bandcamp Friday, uh, day or just like royalties in general. Um, for example, our last event was a riot girl, um, aesthetic event and we worked with abortion access front. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we this event we were planning this event amidst the recent Roe v. Wade um, uh, just uh, happening um, overturning. You and, can swear uh, if you want. If you <laughs> <laughs> really was if there's an easier warning. word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know we wanted to respond. We think we use we use what we're doing as a way to respond to um, injustices in the world. And we do what we can. We also, all of the work that we do for artists is essentially pro bono. We, you know, we do in-house press, we do marketing, we do, um, social media campaigns. We distribute the music with our partners that believe we, uh, you know, help with rollout. We are support systems and we don't ask for anything in return right now. Hmm. You know, we, we do it all on our own time. Um, and just, you know, we do have a, our contracting is a licensing agreement as well, which is not even a, a traditional record yeah. uh, agreement yeah. where we never own the masters for the term period. And we, we do split the royalties for the term period, but the artist is free to do whatever they want to do with the song for the length of the period. Um, it's specifically because we believe in these artists. We want them to feel uninhibited. We want them to feel comfortable working with us and feel like they could do whatever they want, honestly, because a lot of these contracting, um, throughout the industry is super, super, um, tightly wound, you know, you can't, if you, if you feel uncomfortable in a situation, it's hard to leave those legal agreements without more legal action needing to be taken. And it's torn down. Artists have stopped, have the, have had artists stop making music for years. And that was another issue that we had. And that's, uh, you know, due to a lot of the patriarchal systems that are in place too, mm. to like meet their bottom line and fill their pockets with yeah. 
artists that have more album deals. And so those, those are a couple of things uh, that we do that aren't like specifically in the nonprofit realm or anything, but Mm -hmm. this is our way of giving back to our community and to multiple different, all different communities that we care about. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting when you talk about that model for a record label because what it ends up doing when I'm listening to you, I'm realizing it ends up, it become it puts the onus on the record label to prove their value and to prove their worth to the artists because in the old days it was like, well, we have you under contract. So if we sit on your album, if we don't do anything to promote you, you can't go anywhere anyway. But now under this agreement that you're talking about, it actually puts pressure on you guys to to prove your worth. Otherwise an artist would say, well, I'll just stay independent or go somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is we can move on in, in a way I want to hear the history of the label, uh, but is the industry getting better? I mean, you have these uh, incredible and empathetic and forward thinking independent labels like yours and, and some of the labels we've had on the show, well, hopefully all of the labels we've had, but for, for many years, do you think that, do you feel like things are getting better or safer in venues on tour at events in offices over the phone with manufacturers? I I'm, I'm curious, is this industry, um, uh, as a whole becoming, um, less exclusive, that's a big I question. Know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like yes and no. I do feel like on the whole, it feels like no. And I feel like I read mm. things all the time that are really exhausting and feel like there's definitely moments where I'm like, nothing means anything. Everything is pointless. I yeah. just want to like fall in a hole and everything sucks. Um, but I do feel like there's lots of individuals and also like I places that I do know of that are actively making changes. Mm. And, um, hopefully I feel like those little sparks like will lead to like bigger change and a vast industry change. Um, I definitely, yeah, I feel like after 2020, I mean, I feel like perspectives of people did shift, but, but I was in a really toxic work environment in like 2021 that I'm not in now, but that like after COVID and pretty recently. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's varying on the people. I know like me and Dana have met some lovely humans in the industry that are doing that are like making the steps. So I have hope, but sometimes it does feel very overwhelming, but I do think that there are people moving in the right direction, which is it's totally incremental like it is very still very a very niche thing like i think we are a very small part of that incremental change at this Mm. point like even just being able to talk about it Mm -hmm. um and like admit that the system is fucking broken like and just like talk about that um and i mean i think people have been talking about that for a very long time but to like you know make it the bedrock of of what you're doing and like actively work to change that by working with people who don't get as much opportunity as the rest of the world, the rest of the industry, I think is like just a small part that we can do to make a change. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it's exciting to see people who not only are interested in what we're doing, but are interested in doing similar work. Um, And there are like Madison said, small pockets of it. Um, And if, as long as those pockets keep, 
becoming, you know, keep increasing, then I think we'll, we'll get somewhere, but that's a little Uh, daunting. I imagine the macro, like you said, Madison is, is doesn't seem like it's moving, especially when there's a new story about a problematic person every day. But it, it, Mm -hmm. uh, I would imagine those events that you do and those, those gatherings with your collective, that's probably where a lot of the encouragement and excitement comes through, I would imagine. Yeah. One of my favorite Instagram messages, like when we first started, this woman messaged us and said that she's in her forties now and has kids, but that if something like us would have existed when she was in her twenties, trying to make music that maybe she wouldn't have like quit. Um, I just want to say that and like, let you know. And she was like, I'm not asking for anything. Just want to let you know. So little things like that. And the people we meet are definitely like, lights along the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. And it's really sad to think of the amount of like artists that we'll have never have gotten to hear or albums yeah. that we won't, we don't have in our collection because the, you know, back then, even if they weren't, you know, even if there, there were people who weren't actively pushed down and, and rejected, but, but it just wasn't the norm to, to pick up a guitar and to say, I, I want to do this for my, my career for women, especially, um, you know, and uh, to think of what we could be missing out on, what we probably have missed out on for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, something something else you um, mentioned on your website I found really interesting that no two artists are alike and that each artist essentially deserves their own bespoke service from your label. And this was something I read in your bio. Um, and this is often overlooked. And I think it's interesting that you guys say this and, and even, you know, for me, um, talking with, with, some of the, the, when I talk to labels on the show or when I do an episode and I'm talking to everyone, I'm I often talk broadly and you know, that's maybe misguided because the truth is we should be looking at these hyper unique promo strategies for each individual artist and, and, and even individual labels. But, um, talk to me a little bit about that and what that looks like for you guys, because, now that I, I talk about it and I read it on your website, it seems completely obvious. And maybe I've done that in the past without knowing it or putting a name to it. But to think generally, I think generally that my promotions are the same. My, my tactics are the same for all of my artists and for all of my releases. But talk to me a little bit about how you kind of strategize for each artist specifically on your label. Well, yeah, we we realized immediately like throughout our mutual experiences in the industry that there isn't a one size fits all um, mm-hmm. medium for release one releasing music too. And based on the artist's personality, their style of releasing music, the, their workflow, everyone's very different. And some of the standard practices for marketing or releasing music might not benefit or be as engaged by artists if they're not, uh, if it's not catered to them in a certain way. So what we do, and I think, you know, a lot of labels do this when initially generating a relationship with an artist is just kind of having initial, like broader conversations about, uh, who they are as a person, what's their side hustle, where have, where are they in their music journey now? How do they work? Like, would you prefer a spreadsheet or like a Trello uh, <laughs> panel or something like that? Just like little things that might like 
you know, that are different from artist to artist. Um, but also we have, you know, we do have like a baseline, um, like system for everything, but we can, but we can tweak it to how people work. Some people don't need, um, a a full on digital marketing doc for social media because they post so frequently and have all assets and stuff like on their own that like, if we just say like, okay, you post from this period to this period, then they kind of just can take it and run with it and have Mm. their audience and are consistent with engaging, which is what we want anyway. Some artists need like post this, this day, post this, this day on these platforms. Um, and all of that. And either way, it's like, we want them to feel comfortable with, with the flow, with like how they're releasing music, how we're engaging with it, what we have access to, what we don't have access to. So yeah, it's really specific to each person and it's actually kind of enjoyable to develop what comes out of it sometimes are like new ways of doing things that you maybe wouldn't even have thought about before Mm. because you, you know, have to, you, you want to do something that like benefits the, the style that the artist works in. Um, and I think sometimes that is missed in labels because they do have, you know, standard practices and best practices for the label, which is great. Um, but sometimes it just doesn't resonate with artists. Artists are very quirky people. Artists don't work in linear fashions, just mm-hmm. not the way it is. So it's like, why don't we understand that and like not be afraid to zigzag, you know? That's really interesting. And how this is kind of off a little bit of a tangent, but you were talking a bit about social media. How much do you care about, you know, kind of the social um uh, presence of a, of an artist, you know, uh, do you want them to be really actively engaged? Like what if they're, they tend to, to just stay in the studio and just, you know, are a hermit when it comes to social media? Like, do you have like a type of artist that, that you like to work with or, or how does that work with working with an artist and, and their specific needs or desires? I think it's, it's fine. I think listening to the artist is a hundred percent always our mm. goal. Mm. And I've worked with artists in the past. I've managed artists who they're like their labels have shoved TikTok down their throat. People love <laughs> TikTok. They want to get the numbers. And yeah. like I've seen artists like literally like almost having panic attacks about having to like hit content numbers or yeah. oh my God, I have to make this video. I'm so uncomfortable. I really don't like like the way I look right now, or I just got off my work shift and I'm exhausted. Oh, and man. I feel like me and Dan are very, we want to create an environment or strive to where we're listening to the artist and we don't want them to feel like they have to hit a quota for, cause it's also like, I feel like the audiences read right through that anyways. Yeah, like, yeah. Or, it's like, if you're making a TikTok or like, like some people have it, we've worked with artists that are really good at social media. They enjoy it. And it's like contents flowing and they're really great at it. But if you don't like it and you really are opposed to it, we're down to find other ways to market you because at the end of the day, it's about making sure people are happy and comfortable. I think. I, I get a panic attack when anyone says TikTok. <laughs> just, <laughs> I think it was actually um, recently Barty Strange had tweeted something about, because he must have been feeling the pressure uh, to do TikTok stuff. And, and, and he mentioned something like, I'm just going to get better at songwriting. And so, if, right. you know, instead of going to the studio, I'm going to use, or sorry, instead of making a TikTok, 
I'm going to use that time to become a better songwriter, to record mm-hmm. more music, to be more prolific that way. I thought that was like, I was nice to have somebody speak for any of us who, uh, you know, don't want to get on TikTok. At the same time, it works for people for sure. But yeah, yeah no, it's really interesting. Yeah, totally. Tell me about the origins of this record label and the meaning behind the name too. Um, and, and the impetus behind launching in 2021. I mean, 2021 is, it was a strange year because the, the pandemic didn't want to go away. And, you know, I know people who started in 2020, bless their hearts. I mean, they, they obviously were misguided or they had a lot of free time on their hands. And then I get people who would start now in 2022 because, you know, it's a, everybody's, it's a good time to start new things. 2021 seems like a, a, a scary time to start a label. So please give me the, the backstory of all this. Um, so we, I, we were both, um, going through some interesting work transitions at this time, uh, amidst, you know, the rise of a global pandemic and the black lives matter, um, movement in the early 2020 and Madison and I are both you know, activists in our own right. We're both interested in being active in our communities and, you know, stand being anti-racist. So we, I I don't think we had gotten together in a while. And I remember leaving my job and I started having this idea that like, I was like, I have been managing this label for the past four years. I can manage a label. Like I know Mm. how I would want to do it. I I have a lot of, I have, my skill set has brought in so much since I started Um, it would be awesome to do something like this my way. And when I was thinking about this idea, I was like, who would I want to do this with? I don't want to do it alone. And one of the first people I thought of was Madison. Um, I had always respected her, um, as a colleague and we became friends at an internship, um, that we had at the wild honey pie, um, some years prior. And then, um, I reached out to her to go to, uh, protest one day. Oh, I forgot to mention. Okay. So I, well, she, Madison inspired me because of her blog, Indie Witches, which is basically at this point, a sister company to weird sister, because it has a similar ethos and also caters to women, trans and non-binary artists across the globe. Um, and when she started that, I wanted to help it anyway. So I knew we shared like similar aesthetic interests, similar, uh, feminist interests and just like, musical interests. And we hung out, um, after we went to a protest together and I remember pitching her the idea then, cause I was flirting with the idea and potentially going to do it myself. Um, but you know, she at first w- said that she has, you know, three jobs and probably couldn't do that. And, you know, I totally understood. Yeah. And then I remembered like a week later, I almost just totally took the idea off the table and Madison like sent me a text. She's like, you know what? I thought about it. (laughs) Fuck it. Let's do it. (laughs) And I was like, hell yeah. And so then this, the ball started rolling from there. Um, And yeah, we started just, the first thing we did was like started drafting a, a, a business plan and having conversations with people that we trusted, like I mentioned earlier and people who have started their own labels, um, publicists, just a lot, like a lot of different people in the industry, just kind of like letting them know what we're doing, what our goals are, what, what they, you know, um, what they see in the industry right now. And it was actually a super 
awesome and insightful process for us. Mm. I think it got us like started off really strong with not only a support system, but also a lot of like fantastic insight from people we already trusted. Um, so yeah, that's how we, that's how we got our start in 2020. Can I I just interrupt you for a second? I want to, I I want you to just expand about this idea of these mentors. So you were these cold calls or were these people you knew and trusted? Like how'd that work? Yeah, they were uh, mostly people we had already formed some relationships okay. with. Okay. Um, yeah, some people from 2220, uh, the label that Madison had worked for um, prior or was, I think, working for at the time. Yeah, I'm still kind of working with them, but and still it, working with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was that, like a string of like, it was the people that we knew in our orbits. And then we had so many people that were like, Oh, you need to talk to this person or like, this person's really great. And then it just like grew. And it was also like, well, I don't want to like side note Dana, but it was also one thing, you know, but I feel like during 20, we had that impetus thought of, well, she, she approached me and I was like, Oh my God, as she said, I had a million jobs because of in New York and it's expensive. But I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Once she said it, I like literally was like, it wouldn't leave my brain. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, love I was like, that. I feel like, I feel like we have to do this. Yeah. So yeah. I texted her and I was like, okay, let's do it. But I, from, uh, like late summer or early fall of 2020 to 2021, when we officially launched was like, a lot of like the groundwork. So we were like working all throughout that time and had a really long wow. layout process before we launched because yeah. we wanted to be really foundationed with what we wanted to do before we like went public with it. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'll let you get back Deanna. I just wanted, I just do think that mentorship thing, whether it's people, you know, or people that recommended to you um, is really cool. And, and I, I, I got to imagine that it would really help. Yeah, it definitely did. Like there was, no, it's okay. Um, They, another, I I think awesome conversation that we had that was more of a kind of cold outreach, but just like, Hey, we love what you're doing and we want to do something similar where, um, was the, the woman who, um, owns hot tramp, who is also in Canada. Okay. Um, she's really cool. And, um, has like a consistent roster of three artists, I think right now, And that was a really insightful conversation because she was, you know, it was, I think one of the only like strict, like fully women owned and operated labels that we like Mm. spoke with. Um, so that was like a really important conversation and a pleasure to to speak with her. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So that was like, yeah, that, that groundwork. And that was probably a blessing in disguise, um, during 2020 was that we kind of had a bit of breathing room to, to really dig into this and then, yeah, launch the following year. How long was that groundwork and lead up? It was from like August of 2020 was the first, like when we decided to do it. And then we launched June of 2021. So almost a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Of just preparing and researching. Yeah. A lot of that. Good for you. Connection, making connections with artists, um, you know, seeing who might want to uh, join us in this endeavor. Yeah. Um, and then we also um, partner, we're able to in this time partner with our distributor, um, Believe Distribution, that's based in the UK. And, you know, they distribute globally. And that was like an absolute, it's been an absolute pleasure working with them. And, 
um, honestly, just like for a young label like ours, just a really, really helpful boost getting That's started. Great. That's awesome. I'm sorry. I can't hear my dog. He's really. <laughs> He's confused. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Uh, um, this though that's really interesting and that that's actually a really long time period to to get together to to build something because um most of us are just so excited when we have this idea like you mentioned medicine just to, like it's just in your mind you can't get it out but to mm -hmm. be patient and to actually slowly build something and, and grow something um mm -hmm. over the course of the year that's hard to do that takes discipline i think yeah. And even with like the specifics of our graphics, like we found this amazing woman graphic designer who lit, she's French and like lives in Europe. And we wanted a very specific aesthetic for our mm. logo, which we were really patient about because we wanted it to be right. Um, the name, finding the name took a bit of time and we wanted to yeah. just like sit with it think yeah. of different things and make sure we weren't rushing into it, building our website. So yeah, it was. And I think it was like, hand in hand with the time of the pandemic of just being at home and having the luxury of that extra time to like really breathe into it felt, I think really nice. I love the name. Can you tell me a little bit about the background? It, it sounds like a classic name already. Like it sounds like a label that's that formed in the eighties. Well, we love witchy things and all things witchcraft. Um, my blog's name is Indie Witches. Mm -hmm. So there was already that and we knew it, we wanted it to be in that realm. Mm -hmm. um, and we were looking up different just inspirations and we found the weird sisters from Shakespeare, which is like the perfect like oh. witchy nod without being too on the nose. Okay. Um, so, and then we made it singular because we thought it sounded better, but that was kind of the impetus of under a witchy umbrella. Yeah. Um, we also just like the way it sounded too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we also think it really uh, has flown well into our our diversity of our mm -hmm. genres because we don't really anchor on to one thing and really want to make sure that we kind of don't. We want to be able to open our arms and our, you know, our services and resources to like any genre and remain genreless. Um mm. And, and the weirder, the better sometimes, you know, like we yeah. really don't want to be, we want to be left of center. Um, and yeah, keep it, keep, stay weird with it. Well, yeah. we had this, um, uh, yeah. And I think it's one of those names where like for anyone who knows, you know, your the, the ethos of the label, or even if you don't and you just stumble upon it, you can kind of put the pieces together or you can kind of give it your own meaning. I feel like that's kind of almost like there are multiple meanings. We had this label in Canada that started years and years ago called Weird Canada. And it was, I think, weird. I've always seen, because of that label, and they had another, a weird distribution as well, because of that label, and they did experimental music, and I would discover, I think they started as a blog too, but they would do a lot of, music that I couldn't find anywhere else. You wouldn't find in a, in like a commercial, like a traditional record store necessarily, or on, on any of the traditional blogs or in Pace Magazine or Rolling Stone. And so I think of weird as an adjective in the music scene as a good thing. Like if somebody's describing their music as weird, I probably want to hear it at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. We feel the same way. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, 
So you said June 2021. Was is, is, oh, is that the official launch? Or sorry, 2022? 2021. 2021. Yeah, it was oh, 2021. Yes. Okay. Years are so weird these oh, days. Oh my gosh. Brutal. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Yeah, we okay. launched June of 2021 with our first artist, Shug Daniels. And so um, did, did you ha- want to have an album, a release? Like, I, 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 sorry, I just want you to, this is, I'm going to fill this question in and then you answer it. But I, I just feel like some labels, they don't know when to start. Do I start when I get the logo? Do I start when I get the website? Do I start, do I have to wait until I sign a band? Do I have to wait until I sign a band and they have an EP? How, what was your process? We definitely wanted to have like the logo and our aesthetic groundwork and mission statement, all that in mm-hmm. place before launching, of course. But we also did want to launch with a release and yeah. we, um, we partnered with Shug Daniels on that and it couldn't have been a more like vibrant and exhilarating time. She's, she's just like, a, she's an absolute powerhouse and a pleasure to work with. And, um, yeah, it was an honor that I actually, so she was playing in a band called Hoochie Coochie for a while that was based out of um, Delaware. And I knew her because I was in the Jersey scene and they would play up in Jersey a lot. And so that's when I started uh, developing a relationship with her and the band. And then she actually like right as we were launching, released her first solo single and I loved it. And I didn't know that she was doing solo music. And I was like, Hey, would you be down to like re-release this with us? Um, and release the rest of your EP. And we had multiple conversations about what we would do as a label representation and, um, with the music and it just, it just, yeah, it took off from there. And it was so exciting to have an artist to launch with. Honestly, it, I think it was perfect. So did you, like, when did you tell your friends and the, and the general public, like, when did you show the logo and, and everything all, was it all the day that that release came out or, or uh, sorry to be so specific, but I know that our listeners uh, are in this position or, or soon to be in this position. For, I feel what we did is we got the Instagram, we got the handle. I was shocked that Weird Sister Records didn't exist already. So we were very excited when we yeah, got the URL, true. all the handles and all of that. And then we kind of soft launched the socials with like, like friend, like I would like follow my friends and be like, this is my new label, follow it back. And they'd be yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of getting like a very soft following of like friends and family. Yeah. Um, but we didn't do the official big announced to like the public and world and people that might just follow us randomly on socials um until june 2021 when we had the music as well okay okay no that's good to know i i i yeah i I find that um it's hard to know and i've been asked that people have asked me when when do you start it's kind of i think it's a it's a rocky start no matter what yeah. I remember it was a really weird time of like putting, having pieces to put together, but like not knowing it, it's a very strange time. I feel like for yeah. anyone, I feel like there's no like one size fits all. Cause it's like, you have all these strange puzzle pieces and then figuring <laughs> out like where to go first is always like a weird. Like, and you want to keep a little bit of, uh, in the bag, right? Like you want to yeah. reserve a little bit of anticipation. Totally. Yeah. And we also had a really banging launch party at Our Wicked Lady in Brooklyn, which was really fun. That oh, was in great. July. Um, yeah, that was that was great. Was really oh, fun. that's and that's so. 
I, that helps a lot. That really helps a lot. Even just for the, your close knit community to help keep propelling it. Totally. Yeah. That was a good time. I assume so. Okay. So June, 2021. So you've obviously hit your one year and beyond. What is this post uh, honeymoon period like for you guys? I remember being super prolific and energized in my first year. And then I disappeared in year two. So like what was, what's year, you know, you're halfway through year two. What, what does it look like post honeymoon? Well, I don't know. I think the energy has, has definitely been kept up. And I think that has to do with the single series that we started this year. Oh, okay. Um, we are running a single series for 2020 called the Zodiac series. So we've been releasing a single with artists, um, for every month, um, Mm -hmm. for every Zodiac season. And it has been an absolute treat and has in a lot of ways come together super cosmically, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, the nature of it. Um, and I think that release scheduling definitely keeps up the, um, intensity, um, and, uh, the flow of work. Um, and we also, we, you know, we enjoy the, like the Zodiac and like, you know, tying music into the Zodiac and also hearing, you know, artists perspective on how the song relates to the Zodiac and the season where they are at that time, whether or not they are, that's their sun sign or their rising sign or their moon or wherever it is on their chart. Um, it's like, I think the, I'm so sorry. That's all right. It's okay. Um, I can pop in if that's useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. um, But yeah, so we were really excited about the Zodiac series and it's been really, it's been a super tight turnaround. I mean, it's like nearly every month is a release, Yeah. but it's been really exciting from a label business side because I mean, singles are kind of where things are at anyways. And Mm. especially with like playlisting, we've seen some really strong numbers. Um, and we've had, it's been cool to work with artists that might not necessarily want to work with us on like a bigger project because for whatever reason they have, oh, but are I see. Like, yeah, but are like, Oh, we'll do a single with you. And then it's like a great collaboration. So they don't, it's a, it's a really like fun one-off way to work with like a very wide array of artists. Right. Because they're not committing to you for an, an album per se. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. So this is cool because it's actually, it sounds like, um, like a lot of labels do compilations and mm-hmm. where they'll bring 12 or 15 artists together who aren't necessarily signed to the label, each submit a song and, and they do one full album. You're essentially doing that over the course of 12 months. Yeah. And we're going to release it as a compilation at the end as well. And we're hoping to do it as a physical um, also. So like a Zodiac. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I, you talked about singles too. And I mean, what I think is cool about that is, is um, you have basically 12 different chances. Like you have a new chance each month to you know, to, uh, you know, be blessed by the algorithm gods. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it feels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then all the, uh, all of the other 11 artists will be jealous of that one person. How did you get them all those numbers? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a really cool, that's a really cool way to do it. I I know another label that does a single series too. And I, I would imagine it's a lot of work because I mean, like, when I've kept up with a Patreon or trying to, you know, trying to 
create content monthly, it's like the first three months are a breeze. And then you're in month six, seven, eight, and you're like, I can't, I have all these other obligations. So mm-hmm. it's tough. Oh, that's it's cool. But yeah, it's been, it's been fun. And like, yeah, just the different genres and artists were been really excited about who was, who wanted to do it. So it's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. We have our next release comes out on the 14th and this song was actually signed at the very last minute um, because uh, the artist Evie Echoes played our last event, our Riot Girl Fest, and hadn't shared the song with us, but during their set um, was like, yeah, I'm about to play this song that I actually was inspired by Weird Sisters Zodiac series. It's called Little Libra. And me and Madison were like, <laughs> it, was crazy because, it was crazy because the only sign that we had left to fill was the Libra spot. And we oh didn't tell her that. And so she just like mystically knew, like if it was Capricorn, we would have been like, oh, that sucks. I already have a Capricorn song, but it was like, so <laughs> magically aligned. So that, Cosmic. that was yeah, that was <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. So that was a super fun way to listen to that song for the first time. And we're really excited to release that on the 14th. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. The what, What's cool about the series is that you've given yourself a challenge and you kind of have to stick with it. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of a way it's a, fo- you're forcing yourself to be consistent. I think other labels should do something similar to this that forces them to not take a month off and to, to kind of keep at it. I highly suggest it for other new labels. I think it's a really cool way for both the artist and the label. I feel like it's mutually beneficial for both folks involved, at least in our experience, we've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you feel like you're learning new things and having new opportunities open to you as every month goes by? I mean, it's like all the time. Oh man. Almost constantly. Like it is absolutely a treat to have been like learning more and more about label work and the industry and just artist relationships throughout this entire process. Cause just, you know, we have, both of us have robust experience, but that is uh, nothing prepares you for like building it from the ground up, um, at all. And so there's just a lot that goes along with that mentally, physically, even, you know, so it's like, it's just, it's been, yeah, it's been, I, I guess, sometimes bittersweet, right? Like it's, it's hard work, but it's like good work. And yeah. I think that's what keeps us, keeps us going. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I, I want to end on a, a sour note here. Tell me what has been some of the biggest challenges for you guys um, in the past year and a half? Mm. Well, for me, it's, time management because Mm. I still have other jobs because fortunately this doesn't pay our bills yet, but I'm waiting for the day. It's our main thing, but I have a full-time job. And so, um, it's, there's just, yeah, it's just really difficult sometimes. And like, I feel like for any other person starting a label, I feel like that's the one thing that I'd be like, I mean, financially it's, Like it's not really, unless you get like super lucky and strike gold, but like feasibly it's not probably going to be like your main source of income for a very long time. So figuring out ways to be able to work your other job, do this and like put time and energy into it, but also making sure that you can financially support yourself is always just a balance of all the things. Um, Mm. There's days that it feels so exhausting, but overall, like Dana said, I mean, 
the thing that gets me excited is like, I am so passionate about Weird Sister, like getting to talk to Deanna and being our own bosses and the artists that we care about is like literally the only thing that gets me like through it. Cause if, if I didn't care, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, so much work. But that's the, the way, the reason I can keep going through it all. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. I think it's for me also time management, but also, um, not uh, avoiding burnout. Um, because it is very real despite the amount of energy, like, despite us feeling energized by the releases, by the events that we're doing, the events and the release, all of that helps a lot. But there are days, you know, where it's, um, there's a lot of like solid uh, solitude, like kind of lonely work, right? Like it's just behind a screen. You're just kind of hoping that people will respond to the music and respond to you. And some press campaigns can do better than others. And, mm-hmm. you know, some, uh, posts have more engagement and songs stream better or worse for the first 28 days, you know, and <laughs> just those flux fluctuations can lead to, yeah, some, some of the, the, uh, effects of burnout. Um, but I will say that if, you know, you pace yourself and you also do things, um, like meditation or like walking your dog or like going to see a show, like unrelated to any of the work that you're doing and like get outside your head and outside of your body and like move your body. Like those things can, everything can come back into focus, you know, and you always, there are always, um, I always find myself like remembering why I'm doing what I'm doing and that whether or not that's an amazing conversation that I have with Madison during the week or an amazing conversation with an artist or a new song that hits our inbox. It's like, you know, it's like those things make it worth it. Um, despite the challenges. So when you have a, I I love all this, when you have a, a full-time job or, or many full-time jobs and you're trying to do this in the evening or in the early mornings or on the weekends, you know, sometimes you need, you know, uh, like some sort of outside stimulation just to, to motivate you, especially when the excitement wears off or especially when you're doing some of the mundane tasks. You talked at the very, very beginning about Deanna had the idea and Madison was too busy. And then Deanna was about to ditch the idea and Madison was like, no, let's do it. I, I got to imagine that the two people um, would help like push this forward because um, the chances that both of you are depressed and uninspired on the same day, <laughs> right? Like you got to think uh, you would hope that it's um, that when, when one person doesn't feel like doing it, the other person is up for the task. Is that true? I, I, and a lot, in some ways. Yeah. I think, I think both of us, you know, we both are like, it's very balanced. We're, we're super communicative. Like there's nothing that one of us doesn't know about, or if like one of us isn't handling it, one of us is like, it's, it's just become a, like almost like a flow that like, we don't even necessarily have to think too much about anymore already. Like even within the first year, like I really, we talk, we get like, we have our little blocks of time where we like reflect and get emotional and we're like, we're doing this, you know, like we, we're really doing this and we're like doing good work and like we celebrate it, you know, like in our own little ways. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is, I do commend people that can do it by themselves, but to have 
but to have someone that you trust by your side that you can bounce ideas off of and just like gets constant support from. And if something's bothering you during the day, even if it's totally unrelated to what we're doing and it's feeding into the work that we're doing and maybe, you know, one of us needs to take a step back for a few days, et cetera. Like we are fully supportive of each other. And I don't, that's what I think. I think that is part of the reason why maybe I wouldn't have necessarily gone ahead on my own as full force, maybe it would have taken me a little bit longer. Yeah. Maybe it would have, maybe it would have been another person, but I'm so thrilled to the forever that it's Madison and that like, we're doing it, you know, like, so, so yeah, it, 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 yeah, it can be hard sometimes, but I don't know. I, we have a good thing going on here. <laughs> <laughs> I That's... can't even, I can't even imagine doing it alone. I like <laughs> people that do it by that. I'm like, I would, it's crazy. And yeah, yeah it, it makes it so much better to have someone by your side for the wins as well. So yeah. Yeah. It's Great. so much more fun. Like we have, yeah. we have a lot of fun and I hope that people that are starting labels make sure that they have fun with it too, yes. because that is sometimes can be so on the back burner, but yeah, mm -hmm. have and also this was a piece of advice uh, real quick. This was a piece of advice that someone gave us one of the mentor people, but he said that him and his friend did. And he said, remember that you're always like friends first and to put your friendship first as well. Oh, and I feel like that's really important of like, at the end of the day, like Deanna as a human matters most and like anything like weird sister or business related. I don't ever want that to come between like us as humans and friends. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has been so uh, fun to chat with you guys. That's a great note. That's a great note to end yes. on. Um, so let's, let's look at this real quick. Uh, WeirdSisterRecords.com. Everything's spelt normal. Is that right? And then WeirdSister.Records on Instagram. Yes. Um, WeirdSisterRex on Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm sure people will find all these weird sister records dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, yeah. And I would suggest a lot of people go to weird sister records dot com because that's really mm -hmm. where the hub of everything literally yeah. it is a hub. And then there's all the other, the options around it. So thank you so much for doing this. It's been great to meet you guys and great to hear your story. And congrats on the label. Thank you. Thank you so much for Thank having you us. so much. This was a lot of fun. Like you're a little kind of record label celebrity. So this is pretty cool. Thank you for what you're doing. Cause we've like looked at your resources and it's yeah. really empowering and inspiring to oh, just that's awesome. Yeah. Sharing those things. So we truly there's like not enough of it at all. And I'm sure you yeah. already know that and have heard, heard that a lot. And so it's definitely yeah, you're definitely empowering a lot of people. Oh, that's awesome. great to hear. I, I, I'm always excited about the idea of, you know, the people who are Googling how to start a record label today, and then maybe I get to interview them in a couple of years or whatnot. At some point in 20 years from now, there's going to be a label that's like Sub Pop or, yeah. or whatever, and they will have formed, you know, from this time period that we're in now. So that's kind of, you know, it's exciting to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And that could actually be you. 
our dear listener. And if you are thinking about starting a record label and need a little bit of help along the way, go to otherrecordlabels.com. Our website is jam-packed with millions of resources, mostly free, for you to download to help you get started with your record label, including our free toolkit that you can get by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Weird Sister for being on the show. And you can learn more about them by going to weirdsisterrecords.com, all one word. They're also on Instagram, weirdsister.records, and they're on Twist, uh, Twi- <laughs> Twister. Um, that's a good name for a social media platform. Uh, they're also on Twitter. And of course, Bandcamp is uh, always a great place to discover labels, weirdsisterrecords.bandcamp.com. So go to those places and check them out. Give them a follow and buy a record, as always. Thank you so much for listening.